Hey there, treasure hunters. If you enjoy what the Ironbound Chest does, please consider leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. Doing so helps to spread the wealth inside of the Ironbound Chest to other listeners, adventurers, and fellow treasure hunters. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Ironbound Chest. Our topic for discussion this month is first times, and today we're sitting down with Zub, Dungeon Master for the Broken Lords. Let's add some wealth to the chest. Hello everyone, welcome to the Ironbound Chest. My name is Austin Moraga, and today I'm joined by the Dungeon Master for the Broken Lords podcast, Zub. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Oh, no worries. You know, it's an afternoon. Don't really have much going on right now. And, and thank you for having me on the show, actually. I should be thanking you. <laughs> well, I do appreciate you saying that, but like, this is all about you and the players, the DMs, the people who make D&D what it is. And so I just, I should be thanking you more sure than you should be thanking me, so. Oh, well, it's about me then. Yes, well, it's, okay. all, it's all about you, don't you know? <laughs> well, thank you very much. You're welcome. So this month's topic. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, the way this podcast works is that each month I'm going to be doing a certain topic. This month's topic is first times. Your first time experiencing D&D or TTRPGs. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. But before we go ahead and dive into that, I just want to ask, like, how are you? Like, how are you doing? How's your week been? Oh, I appreciate you asking me that. That's really nice. Yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting week. A lot of editing, chopping things up and dealing with all sorts of weird things in a major city, you know. It is what it is. Working from home is a really weird work-life adjustment. I can't say that I don't enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> it's really nice turning on the laptop, flipping over in bed and going, okay, what are my tickets looking like today? Oh, that's like the dream right there. Yeah, seriously. People who want to get back to the office this time are out of their minds. I know. Uh, well, you said something about a big city. I, I want to ask you real quick. Tell me a little bit about your, your podcast and like where you guys are from. Oh, well, we're from all over the place. Uh, he's referencing the Broken Lords podcast, which is my podcast. I'm 80% DM, so most of the games that are spearheaded by me, um, you'll hear my lovely voice um, <laughs> over, as the DM for most of it. I'm also the editor for it and uh, PR guy, though I'm trying to get a little bit of that offloaded. So I guess about how we... Am I doing the whole, like, this is how we met? And, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll actually we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Why don't you just go ahead and tell everyone the makeup of your your group, like your podcast. Include names if you want to or you don't have to. Mm. And just a brief overview of your guys' podcast, like how you guys do your thing. Well, uh, we are an interesting group of people. And I don't say that to try to get on like some sort of dating <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's not like an OK Cupid thing. Like, oh, we have we're very interesting. Um, no, it's we're we're a group of individuals that are that come from kind of all walks of life. Honestly, like I'm ex pagan. Um, we have Christians wow. in the group. We have um, secular, and we're all like good friends that have been around each other for the better part of a decade. 
how we met actually is through a creative writing group. So I met Jordan, uh, one of the names I'm going to name. So Jordan was actually trying to get a podcast off the ground a while ago, like been almost a decade now. So yeah, we were, I was, I was trying to get my web comic off the, at the time out and I'm a little salty because the Daigo Mehara comic. I don't know if you're <laughs> familiar with that walk of life, but the Daigo Mehara comic, and I'm not saying this to be a hipster, but I had an idea kind of similar to it uh, called Rebel Gaijin. It up a cover in the fighting game scene. That's also one of the things I do. Um, I'm one of the FGC dads. Uh, fighting game community dads for those that are n- not in the parlay. But yeah, that was my, my webcomic. The idea was like following this guy as he tries to deal with the underground Japanese arcade competitive scene. Uh, but that was, but that's how we met. We met through that um, creative writing group. And I was trying to get my project off the ground. He was trying to get his podcast off the ground. And we just clicked. Uh, Jordan and I hit it off. Our first podcast was actually called The Kings of Ignorance. He's probably going to be kicking me for saying this online. But, you know, whatever. It's actually kind of like one of my good friends, Talking Shiz, on on Twitter. Um, They have a show, appropriately enough, called Talking Shiz, which is basically them shooting the breeze with each other and goofing on each other. And that's pretty much what the Kings of Ignorance podcast was. It didn't really get off the ground. Uh, things happened. And then a couple of years later, we were like, remember that time we made a podcast? Well, we're kind of funny playing D&D. We should definitely record ourselves and do that thing again. So we did. And that's how we've been doing it uh, years you know, after the fact. So you're saying that he was trying to get something going for 10 years, right? And, and yeah. you guys just kind of like clicked together in this. It was It's, it's like a... Was this on like an online creative writing? No, it's actually uh, friends of friends. Um, I come from a community of creatives and writers in the um, Western Massachusetts area. Oh, okay. A lot of it, you know, if you are in Western Massachusetts, there's some really nice places and there's some hmm, not so nice places. Uh, I was part <laughs> of the latter. So it was kind of like a whole incentive for us to be like, hey, let's be creative and not reenact Mag Max on our streets. Let's do that <laughs> instead. That's usually a good, better, a better thing to do. That's actually really, really interesting, man. Um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no worries. That's what we're uh, here for, right? For sure. I have an absolute question that I want to ask all of my guests. An absolute. An absolute question. And that question is, what does D&D mean to you? The ultimate question for <laughs> all guests. The universal solvent what does D&D mean to you? Uh, what D&D means to me? Uh, f- community? We come from various walks of life. And a lot of us were kind of the misfits in our group. I was kind of a loner in high school. Um, self-imposed, because I was a brooding, edgelord piece of crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, you know, the other the other people in my group, I won't say too many names. You, you got Jordan. Um, I'm not sure how many of them would be comfortable with me just saying their names over the inner butts without their permission. No, no, no. You, you don't have to name any names if you don't want to. All right. So my group of people um, are kind of all over the place. It's kind of our unifying thread to keep us together because we're you know from multiple states. And the main thing that unifies us is we like to play pretend and play dress up. <laughs> so so like that's kind of our tying bond. and. And D&D, honestly, is one of those games where it helps you make common ground with people really fast. 
because you can play D&D with people and then realize, have the elemental background of, well, we're all a little bit nerdy here, aren't we? We're here to pretend that we're hobbits and pretend to fight orcs in the woods. And we like to pretend to get virtual currency and various treasures that we will never actually physically possess because it's all make-believe pretend. And somehow we're all really unified in the concept of let's pretend that these characters have lives that are far more interesting than our own, and let's see how that plays out. It's a very primal thing, you know? It's like that uh, ever since the dawn of mankind when we were able to kind of make our spaghetti inside our heads a little bit more interesting than Hulk smash, Hulk food, Hulk procreate. We've been telling stories, right? And, you know, stories about how the world was formed, stories about don't touch that bee's nest because it's bad, but stories taking form and the original stories from what I've been told by my anthropological friends was collaborative storytelling told over a fire people grunting at each other and somehow that's turning into symbols, somehow that turning into meaning, that turning into some kind of narrative that we could pass on that makes it compelling because there are heroes that we can relate to, villains that we can love to revile, and what that really says about us as a society. I mean, Deity is very primeval in that collaborative storytelling, and that's what brings people together. So yeah, community. I like that. I like that a lot. Um you saying that, <laughs> I might have to have you on again, man, because one of my future topics in uh, is going to include uh, how D&D is sort of the evolution in the way of storytelling. But so uh, another question. So do you have any certain way that D&D, D&D has changed your life or maybe like uh, uh, affected it in any significant way? I guess in the way that it helps me develop my aspiration, as I kind of alluded to before, I want to be a writer um, when I grow up, I guess. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, my one of my life goals is to get books published and to tell non nonfiction stories about people that may or may not exist and chronicling their lives and pushing it out to the public. So D&D really helps with that. And honestly, if I didn't find it, I'd probably be, you know, a worse writer. And I'm not saying I'm a great writer by any stretch of the imagination. I've still got plenty to learn. But, like, it wouldn't have scratched that itch as hard, you know? Mm, right, yeah. I can, I can definitely agree with you on that. I, I used to fancy myself a writer, too. And then I found D&D. Uh, and it definitely does scratch that itch of uh, writing about stuff that I'm really highly interested in that might seem out there, you know, like if you're writing a book and include things like a festival, a festival about a dwarven god and one of the fest or one of the events in the festival is dwarf tossing seems kind of strange to include that immediately into a book, but D&D allows you to explore that strange and probably like adverse topic you know i mean and then you can also kind of explore why that's a thing because that's a little uh (laughs) dwarf tossing is a little pejorative so it'd be like well you know (laughs) then that'd be an i guess an opportunity to world build like why is dwarf tossing allowed to be a thing isn't that kind of immoral or inhumane 
and you know right it 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 definitely it does lead to a lot of questions which again D&D allows you to fill in your fill in your own answer a lot of times but I want to ask you in line with this month's topic first times what was your first time like and and not that first time but <laughs> but your first time as a player or as a DM what was your first time you were like yeah, my first time wasn't really that interesting, but my DM time, <laughs> my first time as a DM was pretty interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, my first game, I guess, that I could consider myself, like, actually playing, because, you know, I played a little bit of 3.5, like, maybe a session or two with a couple of people in middle school. Like, I didn't really consider that my first session, but... My first real session was actually, um, I don't know how many people are familiar with White Wolf's world, Old World of Darkness uh, system. Hmm. I think I may have been exposed to that system at one time, but I wouldn't know anything about it now. Okay, I, I, I can, I can um, expound upon that. So, in the, in the World of Darkness system, the idea is that like all the fairy tales that you were told as a kid, like werewolves, vampires, fairies, all that stuff is actually real. But they all have these weird safeguards to prevent humanity from figuring out that they were actually real. So everything becomes kind of a Bigfoot story in all the World of Darkness, where it's like, I saw this guy eat this dude's neck and it was gross and he had big fangs. But then like, oh, that's Bill. He's crazy. He's always sif- sniffing that gasoline. Yeah, like it's all it's it's happening, but there's always like a veneer that isolates the mundane world from the more supernatural one. Um, that's how the world of darkness uh, in the past. I can't really attest for New World of Darkness because I haven't really kept caught up with it. But that's how they used to handle it in the old days. Like every type of I don't want to say race, but every type of metamorphology, I guess, had its own, like, barricade from humanity. So there was the vampires had their masquerade, which is the whole, we pretend to be real people, you know, and no one is going to know about vampires. You're not allowed to tell anyone that you're a vampire, not even the people that you feed off, um, not even your, well, I guess there's a gray area when it comes to, like, ghouls they call them ghouls where like you can give you can give them half your blood and in exchange they become like basically a a blood bag for you but they are also a bodyguard um anyways not neither here nor there werewolves have their werewolves have their whole thing which is kind of similar to the masquerade you're not allowed to reveal secrets to the worm the big technological thing that's killing the world um, the veil, that's what we, they call it. I, you know, I brain farted for a second. Um, but yeah, my first system was a game called bloodletting, which is normally you're not allowed to mix the morphologies together. Like you either run like a single vampire game. Uh, everyone is a werewolf or, you know, everyone is a fairy and that's it. That's like, it's a mono. Everyone's the same type of creature game but in bloodless but in bloodletting rules it was all well you want to be a werewolf that's fine you want to be a vampire that's fine um you can be a hunter i don't know how you're going to reconcile this but you know and 
Mr. Vampire, I don't know how you feel about Mr. Werewolf because you guys are mortal enemies, but, you know, I guess you're on the same team now, so that's cool. Um, but, yeah, that was my first game, was a bloodlining game, and I was a werewolf. Um, and that was actually really cool because my DM at the time was really into the goth type of aesthetic, and I'm, you know, not to be rambly, you know, I'm an ex-goth as well. Yeah, but they had like they had like candelabras, and we'd all like go to like this little church that was just off campus. We were in college, um, that allowed us to rent it out for the night, and we would play the game inside the church, and it was super scenic. It was so cool. That would be an epic place to play a game like that. Yeah, it was great. Like. I was a priest, we were in a church, and everything was always, like, super, like, just on the surface because I refused to be a werewolf. Like, because it was against my faith. <laughs> <laughs> that was a dumb game. <laughs> I mean, it sounds cool. Yeah. But, yeah, that was that was my first real experience uh, role-playing. And, uh, well, I mean, 17 years later? God, it's been 17? Something like that. Yeah, and here we are. Well, here you are, man. And from what I've heard on your podcast, you guys are having a lot of fun, which uh, I think is one of the most important things about making a podcast or something similar with your friends, you know, having fun. Oh, no, it's totally important that fun comes first. That's what we always say at the table. That's actually a really great thing. Uh, I've been on the other side where fun did not come first, uh, I don't know if that's something you've experienced before, but it's definitely something that really makes the entire experience just so negative. No, I was just going to say, yeah, the failed actors, the ones that are like, we must always be in character. What is this <laughs> aeroplane that you speak of? What is this? Like, yeah, I've had I've had those. Well, it's a good thing that you seem to have a really great set of friends to do this with you, man. And so... Who, who was it among you that said, hey guys, let's start recording? So it was literally complete on a lark. That's why the first recording, and I, ke I kept it up there for historical purposes, was kind of a... Mm, am I allowed to swear on this? Because I'm really trying to tiptoe through the tulips. Uh, Yeah, you, you could swear. Yeah, it was a total shit show. <laughs> so, like... I just had a mic. I just had a microphone on me because I I don't remember why I had one. Oh, because I had my I accidentally left my streaming equipment in my backpack that I brought to D and D, and I had my like streaming laptop at the time. Rest in peace. Um, it had like my micro my super gangster microphone that I got for like twenty bucks at Best Buy. Yeah, it was it was a real struggle setup. And then Jordan was kind of like, hey, you know, remember that thing that you were telling me about a long time ago about how we maybe should we should record these things because, you know, we're kind of funny. Well, let's do that now. And I'm like, do you have, do you have any equipment? I'm like, uh, uh, I have this. And I pulled out all the stuff I had. And that was our first session. <laughs> so, wow. Just kind of like on the spot, like. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, we were there to play. We were there to play. Um, uh, what was it? It was like an anniversary. Uh, I forget. It was someone's birthday. And we had like ten people in the room, 
And the whole thing was that to celebrate this day, and I forgive me, I don't remember much. I was, I've had a few too many. I had a few too many uh, at the time at that place, so I don't remember who's who exactly. Um, what exactly was the celebration? But so. <laughs> So we had like 10 something people playing the sprawl because that was like our original intention was to in order to celebrate this was to play the sprawl. And then I got put in the spot to record the whole thing. And well, you know, did the best I could. That That's really cool, though. Uh, that's I, I, I guess I could say I could start recording with my current group right now. Um, but, you know, we're halfway through our campaign and, you know, also I'm doing this podcast now. And it's kind of daunting, right? Like the editing and whatnot. Um, but did did you and your group, you know, ever have any fears? Like, hey, this is being recorded. Um, did did it change up the way you played at all? Uh, not really, honestly. Like I said, the original goal was to always just record ourselves playing a game, and. What I do and post is mostly just edit out the in-joke references that no one would get but us. But, like, everything else is pretty much intact. I mean, maybe I snip out some, like, where we go off on a tangent for, like, a half hour. So, is everyone who you started recording with, are are they, do they play the same characters now in, in, in all the campaigns? Well, as you, as you saw, um, you texted me on Twitter and was like, uh, what you guys do is really funny. Um, and we have a couple of, and thank you for that. that. Those are really kind words. And I appreciate that. We play a, a number of different games and I do my best to kind of collate them to like, so they're episodic within their series. Uh, Anchor is kind of weird. So sometimes I have to do it by date. And then that's why like some things are recorded later, but then they like revert to like being two months in the past. It's literally my only way of sorting things so that, you know, you can listen to one episode and then it'll go naturally into the next episode of that same series. But we do play, uh, like, we play ESW, which is like, oh god, talk about a burning train wreck there. <laughs> but uh, we, we, um, we are, we're playing the Worldwide Wrestling System. That's basically pretending you're running a wrestling promotion. Like, imagine if you were the primary director of the WWE. What kind of characters would your show have? And, like, the whole thing is, like, the system is about pantomiming a card and matches. So, like, a card is, like, a series of matches to be scheduled for that day. Um, so, <laughs> the the whole thing is you, you're playing through it. And that's what one of our games is that we have a fake wrestling promotion. And that's what ESW is. We have another, um, like, Eldritch Horror-themed games, like A Gate at the Hearth, A Flame Upon the Hearth. Um... We have more like ridiculous games like Lydia has wanted to play Bunny Heist for a long time. So Lydia, thank you for being DM and I hope that it's everything you dreamed it would be. <laughs> it is literally a one page tabletop game. Like all the rules are contained within one page and it looks like someone like scribbled on a napkin. It's it's pretty funny, um, but you can get it through like drive through RPG. It's like I said, it's literally a PDF with one page and the page is just a bunch of like doodlings and like this is what dice mean. It's kind of like Honey Heist. I don't know if you're familiar with Honey Heist. It's literally the same idea except with bears. It's it's literally a rules light one page system. I, I, I like that. I really, really do. Um, 
you were you were talking about one of your other series as well, right? The Eldritch Horror one. Yeah. So we're we're going through a couple actually. Eldritch Horror is my jam. Um, so a lot of my a lot of my games tend to be around like Eldritch Horror or like Deep Dark Fantasy. So we have a couple. Um, we have a Gate Upon the Hearth, which is I don't. How would how would I elevator pitch this? Imagine a group of adventurers get brought to a very generic village and it's like considered downtime. You know, they go in with the expectation expectation of this whole thing being like downtime for them. And then an eldritch pile of shit hits the fan and inside outs the town they're in. And then they kind of have to deal with the consequences of this weird thing that is happening in the town that is making everything go belly up and then like getting shot through dimensions. Um, so yeah, that's that there's flame upon the hearth, which is a prequel of sorts kind of embellishes and fleshes out what actually is causing all this to happen. I would recommend listening to that after you start listening to a flame upon the hearth or a gate upon the hearth rather. And my third one, uh, well, our third one, is called Viridian, and the whole thing takes place underground. There's a giant calamity that happened. The whole world went dark, a la, you know, well, not like the mist, but more like if the mist was just a giant, rolling, widespread blackout. And then things started happening, and then everyone was got, got really scared and burrowed underground, and now they're all buried in cat cave towns, and some people are like, "Well, we're running out of supplies. Someone's gotta gotta go. Someone's gotta go up to the surface. Who wants to do it? Oh, don't tell the government that we're doing this because it's totally illegal. Because we don't want it. Because they're gonna say we're exposing everyone to the unspeakable horrors that are probably still on the surface." I would just love to pick your brain about just your entire writing process, man. I mean, like this campaign has gotta be a complete homebrew of yours, right? Well, this world is. It's the world itself is kind of loosely based on Forgotten Realms Underdark. There's some elements that I haven't divulged yet, but a lot of it is homebrew, yeah. That's that's awesome. Uh I, I was about to ask you about some of the aspects of of the world itself, if uh, maybe some of them were pulled from the Forgotten Realms, or something maybe that you, you just made up yourself and entirely on your own? Well, I, I would argue that no one makes everything originally from themselves. There's always certain aspects that they borrow, you know, from, because that's how our brains work. We are referential creatures, and we... The idea of creating a, a purely unique idea out of the other is not something that we really do. It's more like we are influenced by things and then kind of throw things together into a melting pot and go, this is my thing. But insofar as that giant literary goulash I threw together to create this homebrew is, a, is my thing. I, I guess it's my thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just really curious just hearing some of the episodes. Uh, I was thinking you can kind of get in the ear for the things, you know, like content that wizards of the coast put out. And and I'm a huge fan of world building, so I was just I was just a little bit curious about if this was something you yourself had come up with on your own. And I I just love it, especially Eldritch Horror. 
Um, and I just want to say, I gave up on the hearth. One of your campaigns record, the music in the intro is so sick. Oh, oh, uh, it is actually a royalty-free piece I got from Legnazeg. He's pretty cool. Yeah, we got a, um, it's a royalty-free piece. We're allowed to do it through the creative, it was it the Creative Commons license? But, uh, Legnazeg is a great talent, um, and for some reason decides to make a lot of his music royalty-free. So that's one's dismal light, so shout-outs to... Shoutouts to him. He's a great artist. I'm definitely going to have to check him out because I am a huge fan of that style of music. Uh, and immediately when I heard it, I thought, yeah, I'm probably going to stick around for a long time. That's the that's the dust and dust campaign, I call it in the back of my mind. But yeah, um, I played a lot of dusk. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great game uh, when I was making that game. And a lot of the music choices are influenced by that. Right, so, so I gotta ask: uh, do, do you and your group, right before you before you sit down and before you you start your your recording sessions, do you guys have any like pregame rituals at all, or do you just jump in and say like, "Let's do it, hit record, man"? I love my my group because we have this weird synergy where like one of us can kind of look at the other person in the eye and then that's their on switch. Like we have this weird synergy where it's like, we're like shooting the breeze, having a good time, you know, telling jokes. Um, and then all of a sudden one of us gives each other the look and then we start. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have that, like you have that synergy with each other, you know, like, all right, we know what time it is. We know what we're here for. Let's get it done. It, it kind of goes a little bit back to to what we were talking about earlier about having a just a good group of friends to be doing this with that is absolutely important, uh, especially when you are you know recording yourselves for others to listen to. Uh, it's it's great to have the mindset of it's time, you know, the seriousness while still being, uh, as I stated er- earlier, just extremely funny during the game. Uh, but you guys get right to the action, but the banter between the characters, like the dialogue, I, I just found so enjoyable. Oh, there's, we, we've spent the better part of a decade griefing each other tremendously. So, like, with that comes, with that, they're, I, they're all hilarious. Like, all, all the people that I surround myself with now, I'm blessed to surround myself with right now. Let me, let me say that in a line. My feelings about this group are really clear. I love them. They are my family. Um, they are freaking hilarious. I, <laughs> it's just all those years us like passive aggressively nibbling at each other. It's just turned into this weird married couple dynamic. That's so good, man. Like that's so enjoyable to hear, uh, especially again, just like on an audio medium kind of thing where it makes for such enjoyable listening because you, you have that banter because you, have that uh, you give that give and take uh, comedic budding heads almost feeling to it uh, that makes something like this just absolutely lovely. Well, thank you. I, I they think they're all very talented people, which is another reason why I went with the suggestion to start recording ourselves. Uh, so with that though, I want to get into another question of of first times, uh, topic of the month and all that. Uh, when was the first time during a campaign or a game where you thought, you know, like, I hate this character, like, 
you know, like in a way where my friend is pulling my leg, uh, kind of on a purposeful way, not actual hatred, mind you. Uh, and, and adversely, when was the first time you went, you know, like these guys are just the best. Oh, okay. So first of all, I want to, since I'm, since I'm given the pass now, fuck you socks and fuck right to the initiative of the empty claw. I'm going to say that right now, a gate upon the hearth. I fucking hate Red the Initiative, the Empty Claw, that Nietzschean bastard who somehow <laughs> introduced nihilism to my my feudal Western medieval campaign about eldritch horror and grand indifference as a result of being brought into the horror. Red is the worst. The absolute worst. Um, as for the best, where I kind of looked at my group of friends and were like, you guys are the best... Um, I really missed this campaign, and unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever play it again because we're too far into the game to actually record it. So we might not ever, like, circle back on that again unless we just do it for ourselves. And it's a real shame, because that's, like, my biggest regret. I'm hyping this up like Paul Heyman, I know. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with WWE, uh, WWE wrestling or wrestling in general, I'm a big fan, so I make these dumb... Uh, off, you know, these dumb off comments about it. So, but anyways, um, there's this game we were playing, um, Homebrew. It was Burning Wheel. I don't know if you're familiar with that system. Uh, really interesting system. Um, but it's all about like beliefs. Like, what do you believe in is the central theme of Burning Wheel. Like, beliefs influence the character. So, you basically write down what you what your character believes in instincts like how does it reflect reflexively react to um you know if i feel threatened i draw my weapon would be an example of an instinct um but yeah beliefs um that's actually how you level up in the game so everything is like really heavy emphasis on story very heavy emphasis on character development in this game we were playing um that was viking themed um long story short there were the not roman empire is coming to attack um vikings yes i know it's not even during the same period like romans were on their way out when vikings were a thing i know um but what if the roman empires and the vikings were actually like yo give up your viking land or we're gonna come after you and that's like the, the crux of it. Um, so just to give you history, <coughs> there was this beautiful scene where the mother witch of the group and a her whole gimmick was that she's a, a, a circination. She's all about like magic circles and summoning creatures. Um, she messed up real bad and unleashed an unspeakable evil upon the world. And it was all her fault because she couldn't control her magic. So her, the the, the witch mom, she was basically Balayaga. Um, and she, she was like our healer. And the circle girl, like the circle girl is like, it's all my fault. I know it's all my fault. I messed up. You know, and she's like, pound, she's like beating on herself. And we're in the middle of a garden um, because we 
intercepted this particular field from the Roman army because we were diehard Vikings. And Baliaga sits down next to Ileana, the uh, circle girl, and gives her a heart-to-heart in character. For 20 minutes around the table, I was listening to Lydia as Balayaga be a perfect mom to this, like, 25-year-old girl whose only thing in life was to be a good summoner because that's literally her only purpose in life was because that world was messed up and it was astounding i felt like i was watching a tv series and we just got to the good part and like that moment i was just like oh my god like not to like hyperbolize but it really did feel like i was either watching a television show or i was watching a movie of these two characters interacting with each other the circle girl beating herself up for this sin that she committed. Balayaga being a mom to her. And it was just this whole like, yes, we all make mistakes, but we have to get through them. Mistakes define who we are as people. We can be defeated by our mistakes, but it's what you do about them that define you as a person, not what you, you know, now not the patterns in which you continue to fall into. It's, are you able to get out of them? Are you able to make right what you did wrong? And it was a really poignant, perfect, powerful scene. Uh, so yeah, that was the highlight. That's really, like, honestly the kind of things I look forward to in D&D games where you can, like, like I've heard you can watch it on things like Critical Role of, of you know, them giving their all to their characters during these uh, really high emotional scenes, but they're actors, you know, that's, uh, that's what they do. But when you are, when you yourselves are at home having a moment like that, that to me is so much more of an incredibly special moment that, you know, should be cherished forever. And, and it's a good indication, I think, of your player's commitment to their characters and the game itself, which is something I personally personally love about D&D, you know, because in a way, with, with that conversation you said about uh, your players were having with their characters in real life, do you, in real life, do you think that they would actually be able to have a discussion like that? You know, like maybe not, but D&D can open up avenues for your beliefs and what you, you know, you truly hold dear to, to come out in situations that may normally in real life never be available to you. And that's something to me that is really fascinating and, and something I truly love about D&D. Yeah, it really does. It really is. Um, and theater is like that, too. Like being a theater, former theater kid, too. Um, where you're able to have the ability to step out of yourself and to look into through someone else's eyes. That's a really weird and stable like way of looking at the world if you're able to kind of have that level of empathy to develop that at, and like exercise it like a muscle through role playing and stuff like that the ability to see from different perspectives really does make you a better person and it makes things a lot more interesting it makes you a more developed human being um and you know 
very few activities let you have that. Yeah, yeah, and and to just tie into that, yeah, you really you really can't get that in in many other places. You know, D and D will let you have that. Uh, other tabletop role playing games will let you have that. You know, and and that's why I think that to me anyway, I I think outcasts are drawn to things like D uh, and D, and I was definitely an outcast as a kid. I mean, who definitely wanted to hide in the corner and and just you know not be seen and or even heard like and though i never you know played D as a kid i it was always something that brought me a little bit out of that corner to be like like this is really cool maybe i can do things here that i can't in real life because you you don't always have the option or the ability to do or even the moments to do those kinds of things that you can in D D. And, and it kind of goes along with the things I was saying about method acting. You know, you can step into that role and get that experience. Yeah. It really it really is weird because, like, I don't know. And not to sensationalize it, but sometimes you really do kind of, like, believe your own guff. Like, if you get too deep into it, um, I mean, not too deep into it. Let's not go into, like, <laughs> satanic panic. But, like, um, but, like... Oh yeah, that's a oof, that's a kettle of fish. Um, I, I'd be I'd be around to talk about that one too, because uh, that's something that I had to deal with. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> the I don't know. There's something really weirdly the ability to transpose yourself into that, and actually, like sometimes at certain points, uh, actually feeling like your character. That is a weird experience, like feeling like you are this different person for a moment um, if you do it enough. Yeah, yeah. And it's just that one step further to having that experience with your friends, because, you know, not not every time do I think a lot of people uh, are, are a lot of people open to that sort of experience. Uh, but the fact that you, you know, you had those moments with and around your friends as players uh, you know, not everyone gets to do that. And, and I know I've said it about five times now, um, but it's just absolutely incredible. And, and one of the great things I love about D and D man. Uh, but, but so for you, uh, what is the thing that you love most, uh, about D and D? Um, honestly, it's the ability to really hone and manipulate the art of storytelling and i'm not saying that i'm not trying to make that a vagary but it's the whole it's it's the whole everything about the process it's the building the worlds kind of going okay is this a little bit too strong for my players is this not strong enough um i wonder how they're going to react to this random old lady who gives them a quest it's all of that like all of the analysis and all the creating of the worlds that real freedom that you get as a dm and also as a player like the ability to really put yourself in another person's shoes and really think outside your own brain i guess would be the phrase i would use like it's so easy to compartmentalize yourself and to put yourself into a space where you can look at yourself and go this is me this is what I believe in. These are the things that I do. This is who I am as a person. 
And to have that liberation to be a random elf archer and go and apply the same logic and for a little while. And then you kind of look at yourself and that shelling that you are doing to yourself as a person. You're like, maybe I'm a little bit more than that. Maybe I'm a little bit more interesting. Let's find out. And using this as a means to explore yourself as a person, I think is one of the coolest aspects of D&D. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, man, for, for sharing your thoughts on things and, and you know, with sharing sharing with me about and the listeners with, with you know, what you love most about D&D. Uh, so the last question I have for you is, uh, what, what kind of advice do you have for people who are looking to get into D&D for the first time? Uh, get into it. That would be my first bit of advice. If you're on the fence... Yeah, just do it. Like, life is one of those things, and I'm I'm, I'm starting to sound like an old man on this. <laughs> I'm not that old. Um, but one of the things that life gives you is the opportunity to explore different avenues and to, if you're really brave, to explore new horizons and see new things that you wouldn't normally get into. So if you're on the fence as to whether or not this is your thing, the thing that you want to do, give it a try. Honestly, life's too short to be closed-minded and stick yourself in your ways, you know? Don't be a stick in the mud. So, go on an adventure. Go play D&D. Yeah, and if you don't know the rules, they even write it in the rule book. If you don't know all the rules, that's fine. Just trust your DM, and DM, don't be bad. Just, if you don't know, just make a ruling and move on. It's more about the journey than it is about the structures and the systems. And I'm going to get a lot of hate from the old heads from saying that, but it's true. Well, you know, everyone has a valid opinion on that, though. Uh, well, man, can you finally, can you tell the listeners when and where to catch your podcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you can catch us at anchor.fm forward slash the broken lords. That also pushes out to all major podcasting platforms, you know, the Apple Podcasts, the Stitchers, the Spotify's, the what have you. Um, honestly, if you Google the Broken Lords, you'll probably get an autofill of our show. We're the really weird purple Cthulhu creature. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Lords Broken, uh, and I would strongly recommend that you do so because we want to hang out with you listeners please check out his podcast the broken lords i will be putting some links down in the description zub thank you so much for joining me man it's it's honestly been a, a real pleasure talking to you oh thank you i appreciate it i enjoyed my time here too and thank you for having me and i appreciate you offering to share some time with me and to do this for your podcast um i'm honored well, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for us here, folks. Listeners, thank you for being here. I'll see you the next time you open the Ironbound Chest.